yeah, well, again, shout out to Callum's work for sponsoring this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really hope my manager doesn't listen to this one. <clears throat> uh, okay, we're popular, will. but we're not that popular. <laughs> we haven't broken into the non-modeler market yet. Hey, we got that one guy in Moscow listening, so. Hey, Sergey. <laughs> nah, bro, that's Putin. <laughs> Putin listening to us from the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, on that note, you are listening to the American Machines podcast. And today, we have Callum. Callum, what are you talking about with us today? Uh, I am going to be sharing one of my favorite tanks, the KV series, or the Clement Voroshilov. Shil- I was looking forward to hearing you pronouncing uh, that. Dude, it's, even, I... it's even worse trying to pronounce it with a Kiwi accent. It just doesn't work. All of the virgin tank nerds have now found the clit. <laughs> <laughs> I could not pass that one up. <laughs> Well, before we get into it, shall we do some introductions? Callum first. I'll go first. Uh, so you got me, Callum, uh, from New Zealand, and I've got myself my usual black coffee because uh, I need caffeine most of the time. Alrighty, then you've got me, Dennis, from Ontario, currently drinking a nice herbal tea to try and fight off this cold. Then you got me, Garrison, out here in nice and cool Southern California, finally, uh, drinking my Mio water and eating a uh, a little bit of dinner. You've got electricity and water, and you live in California? This is not possible. Dude, it's a fucking... <laughs> I got some wizard shit going on. He's got his own generator and well dug in his basement. Uh, that's a very uh, that's a very garrison thing to do. I, I could see that. <laughs> I wish I had a basement, bro. Our next house is definitely going to have one. Well, yeah, then. so unfortunately, we don't have Isra or Jack. Isra uh, might turn up later. Them after the fact in the Discord. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the three of us this week, but that is all good. So why don't we kick this off about all the uh, wonderful KVs? I'm seeing a nice interwar design here. This is very appealing. Yes. I love... Real quick, Callum, I got a quick question that you might answer. Uh Uh-huh. Later. So on the left-hand side, the T-35 with the five turrets, that turret ring around the actual main turret, I've seen, like, the early war armor from Russia and, like, Poland having that turret ring, and then later war variants didn't. Why is that? I believe that's a... It's a very early... Um, radio antenna, I believe. They're not ground You're handles. Kidding. They had those on the uh, BT sevens, actually. Yes. Yeah, five and the BT seven. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think they're um, grab handles. I think, I think they were early radio antennas. Because the the Japanese command tanks had them as well. They had a similar design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of early um, Russian tanks, command tanks and stuff, have these antennas. I believe that's what they were from. Um, if I am wrong, please um, abuse the fuck out of me in comments and tell me I'm wrong. I always like to be corrected. But that's what I believe they were. Callum Flutton is Noah's favorite kinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for answering that. Yeah. But, so, before we talk about the KVs, we should probably talk about what happened before the KVs 
because uh, it's actually kind of fairly interesting. Um, basically, after the First World War, the Russians were uh, experimenting with tanks, as we know. Uh, they sent their T-26s and BTs off to Spain to uh, <clears throat> test in, during the uh, Spanish Civil War. And it was found that there was a need, need for a heavy tank. And this being interwar, they're all still big into um, multi-turret tanks. And they had accepted the T-35 into service, the T-35 being the absolute monster of a tank with five turrets. Do they to... have like 18 crew members or something like that? Yes, yes. You have, uh, what is it, three, three in the top turret with the commander um, with a 75mm howitzer. You had two in each of the turrets for the 45s and one in the each turret for the machine guns plus a driver. So that's, what is that? Two, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yep, eleven. Wow. How heavy was that thing? How many rounds could that hold? Uh, I know it's heavy enough that every time they drive it on the uh, asphalt during the Moscow Victory Parade, they have to resurface the road afterwards because it crushes oh it. Oh my god. Even just turning, it tears it up. That is ridiculous. That yep. is a big bitch. Yep. Um, so oh, the, the turning radius of it's awful too. Oh, the T-35 was, um, it was described as extremely tiring to drive uh, just for the fact that it didn't turn that well because it is such a long, wide tank uh, and especially for war, very impractical. I mean, it sounds nice. The whole This is the whole time of land battleships. You know, there was a because, of course, this is interwar time. People didn't really know what the tank was for, um, whether it was for infantry support, whether it was for fighting other tanks, whether it was for assaults or defense or whatever. There was interwar time was interesting because no one actually knew what a tank well, was or what it was going to be used for. At, well, at this, interest. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, just to say at this point, it's basically. <clears throat> a mobile defense bunker is what I would use it for. Like, that's just that. I think I feel like if you set that, like, you dug it in to where it comes up to the top of the tracks. That way, it's not really exposed, and you turn the turrets to the like the right or left hand side. That's a whole fucking like battery line in a small pocket. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I was just gonna point out, you know, you see this with the uh, independent. Remember, we talked about that way earlier on. Um, but with the independent and the you know, with these tanks, you all notice how long they are. And I think one of the ideas was that after the First World War, the idea was that the next war would also be one where there were all these trenches, right? Well, this design makes a lot of sense for that because if you have to cross a trench, well, you think about you know having a long chassis is actually in that case not a bad thing. You're driving in a straight line. You need to have good trench crossing ability. So in that respect, I think these designs would actually be pretty good. Yeah, yeah that, never had to do that, that really. the, the multiple turret design, I mean, the trench is going to be on your left and right and your front and your rear, so you can hit all angles <clears throat> as you're going over. Yeah, so that's, that's the T-35. The other two we've got, so the top right, that's called the SMK. Uh, I've actually got a model of this one. It is an awesome tank. You did um, an amazing model of that. <laughs> well, I was stuck at home during lockdown, so I had plenty of time. <laughs> And the one below it that looks very similar is the T-100. Now, these three tanks 
were competing to become uh, Soviet Russia's next heavy tank. That sounds a bit like a uh, reality TV show, that. I'd watch that. I, I um, would totally watch that. Yeah. 100%. So the Soviets were still thinking two turrets, you have one with a forty-five in it, that's your anti-tank gun. Where, and at the top, you have a 75mm howitzer. That's your infantry gun. Um, early war. No one really thought you could just have a bigger gun and use it for everything. It was Everything was divided down into you, got, you had higher penetration values with smaller caliber guns and better high explosive with larger caliber. Uh, technology was still pretty new. Now, the SMK... This one was the main designer of the KV. The KV-1 is actually basically a shortened single turret variant of the SMK. The original KV-1 was, they made a single turret version as a backup, but it wasn't originally supposed to be in the, in the running. Um, these tanks, they were found to be not that good though. Uh, they were used, all three of them were used during the Second World War early on. Uh, T-35 was used in the defense of Operation Barbarossa. Uh, the T-100 and SMK ended up in the continuation war against Finland, where they had heavy armor, yes, but they they didn't do that much. They weren't that good, uh, owing to the turrets. If you have more than one turret, the commander can get overwhelmed with what gets shot where and just that kind of stuff which was one of the main failings of a multi-turret tank is just the coordination. The commander can get way too overworked and it just becomes a basically a clusterfuck. An overworked well, Soviet? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Comparatively modern had that issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why single-turret tanks were favoured in the end because it's, it's easier if you just have one, one gun that does everything, one turret, one commander... Makes life a whole lot easier. Not that I'm saying it was easy, but... Yeah. So these were the the forerunners of the KV. All of these proved not to be that good. The designer of SMK put forward his KV-1. And that one was initially decided to be the the heavy tank. Uh, It was ordered into prototype, which became what was known as the KV-O which if you go to the next slide, here it Look is. At that. So oh, the, KV, the KVO, uh, to describe the KVO to anyone who is just listening and not watching, basically you take what you know is a KV-1 and in the gun, in the mantlet, you put a 75 millimeter in the middle and a 45 millimeter off to the side of it, a bit like the uh, Noble Falsig. Um, it's got a tandem gun mount. Because they were still, again, they were still operating on the 45 as the anti-tank, 75 as the anti-infantry. It was thought it would be easier if it was all in one turret. Again, it's not that practical. It never went anywhere. But from this, they did learn. Should have. It's perfect. Look at it. <laughs> to be honest, I think yeah, it looks way better. I think it looks way better. Now, they decided to drop the 45 in favor of a better designed 70, uh, they, they didn't have a 75, it was a 76.2 millimeter. The Russians didn't have 75s, they had to be unique. Just had to be different. So from the KVO, 
they did a whole bunch of testing, they refined it, and it became the KV-1 model 1939, which if you go to the next slide, here it is. Now it's still, it's still KV-1, but it's still not the KV-1 we know and love. You can definitely tell there's some features here which still have to be refined until you get to that production version. Yeah. So, this 1939 model, originally they wanted to use the F32 76.2mm cannon. However, production of these in the early, start, early parts of the war was limited. So, originally, KV-1s were, fit, were mounted with an L11 uh, 76.2mm cannon. You'll notice the main difference in this is the gun mantlet, the um, the big re the recoil, was it the recoil spring on the gun? You know, the big piston that's usually underneath actually sits on top. So the gun sits low in the mount as opposed to the other way around. You know, you know, you see tanks and the um, oh, yeah. you got the yep. you got the uh, recoil spring underneath it, as you see with all um, Soviet cannons. Uh, this one, it's got it on top, so the gun is mounted low, low down in the mantlet. Uh, it also does not have a hull MG gunner. Boo. Boo. We love our Boo. coax. <laughs> Bring it back. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, these KVs, um, they actually did pretty well. Um, but after a while, they eventually morphed into the Model 1940. Which is the one we know the most. Uh, the, the KV-1 model 1940 is also known as the KV-1A. And this is kind of the, the, the classic for the early war. Now, I, always, I will always say that KVs are underrated and underappreciated by most people. Most people don't really know just how much of an effect KVs had against the Germans. But the T-3485... Mm. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so early on into Operation Barbarossa, the Germans they were the Germans were fielding tanks that were equipped with um, 37, mil 37 millimeter cannons, short barreled and short barreled seventy five millimeter cannons. They didn't do a lot against the front of a KV one. A KV one A had up to 90 millimeters of armor on the front and 75 millimeters on the sides. Um, That's not bad. Yeah. These, these KV-1s could take a punishing. Um, there's one noticeable case where a KV, a single KV-1 stopped, I think it was, a, it was either a company or a division of Panzer, early Panzer 3s and 4s. It received 139 hits on it without a single round going through the armor. Didn't they have to bring an 88 on its ass to take it out? Yes. Eventually, the, <laughs> eventually the uh, Germans brought an 88 and cheated, but um, yeah, a, a single KV-1 withstood 139 hits on it, and somehow the crew inside were able to function. I'm not Fucking sure how. Christ. <laughs> so... But these ones, uh, once the Germans started getting bigger guns, then they needed an upgrade. But these KV-1s, they did a lot in the early war. It was just one of those that wasn't enough. Now, not to say that it was perfect in all ways. Of course, of course it's not. 
Uh, one of the, uh, you know, just looking through my note, trying to find my note. I highlighted it somewhere. Just, Here I'm, I'm just listening to all the wearaboos coping and seething right now. <laughs> so, the 76 it had, this was the, uh, the, K, the KV-1A was finally fielded with the F-32, 76.2mm uh, cannon. Uh, that's the classic one you see, so it's not the L-11 where the gun is low down in the mantlet. This time it's high up in the mantlet. It's the one we know. Now, even though the Germans couldn't punch through the armour, it wasn't. there was still some bad features with it. Um, now, one of them being it was difficult to steer because it's a big, heavy tank. Big, heavy tanks and are just by design difficult to move, but difficult to steer, the heavy, you know. You mean Another no thing, power steering? Yeah. Oh. Another thing, the transmission was a 20... Uh, this was 1940. The transmission design was 20 years old. What? It was a 20-year-old designed... Uh, Holt Caterpillar designed transmission. They used Bro. a Caterpillar tranny in this? Imagine the FT fucking 17 engine trying to pull that thing. Yeah. Cry. So wow. there were some truth to rumors that Soviet drivers had to change gears using a sledgehammer. That's <laughs> the only way they could get it to move. <laughs> uh, another thing, there was very poor visibility in the tank. There's no periscopes or anything like that. They just had vision slits. And it had no turret basket. Uh, one one downside to these KV ones was there no there was no turret basket. Uh, basically, for anyone who doesn't know that, a turret when it rotates, it you have a basket that everyone stands on, so everyone rotates with it. You can sit down and whatnot. If you were standing, such as for the loader, there were. If you do not have a turret basket, that means that if the turret moves around, you have to you have to follow it. Unless you want to get clipped by the cannon or parts moving around. So the poor loader is trying to load some fairly large ammunition into the cannon whilst it's moving. And he's having to try and keep up with it. Uh, that was one one downside to, this, to the early KV-1s. Uh, yeah, no turret nice. basket. But they did finally get the hull gunner. Yep, they did get a hull gunner. Um, oh. And there was other, another, also another thing that plagued the Germans later on. It was too heavy. And when I say heavy, a, these early KV-1s were 45 tons, which meant that they wow. couldn't cross a lot of bridges. Did they ever get issued with any sort of waiting equipment? No. Ugh, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, at the time... It outweighed, at the time of its uh, heyday, we'll call it, it outweighed anything the Germans had by a lot. So that's it's actually one of the main reasons why the KV armor wasn't uh, continued on. But we'll talk about that later on because the KV was improved upon, we'll say, because uh, they didn't have, the Russians didn't have anything better. Um, later on, you get the ISs, but that's quite late in the war they get them. So they're stuck with KV-1s. And, I mean, as much as I bash the KV-1, it was a good tank. It was just... You had some teething problems. 
it, you, you, you needed will, a lot of improvements. You will say though, you know, despite all of its problems, it is very much a world beater at the time, especially by 1940 standards. Like, show me a tank in 1940, which which can best this. You can't. Oh no. Well, Dennis, if you knew the the Germans had paper Panzers in 1940, so uh, <laughs> I feel like the ghost of Ezra is on with us. <laughs> So there were other improvements to the KV-1, but at the time, in 1940, the KV-1 you could consider as the best heavy tank. So, that was the KV-1A. If we go to the next slide, we'll have a look at some of the others. Ooh, the so, sp specifically, on the top left, we have the KV-1E, which has a pleak armor attached to it. May I point out an interesting fun fact? Go for it. So the T-34, they also actually did the same thing with the T-34. You have the T-34E, and uh, that one they made, I think it was about 200 of them, and almost all of them were lost in one battle. Yeah, oh, God. sounds about right. So, yeah. the, uh, so the E for both the KV-1 and the T-34E is the Ekranami. Ekranami? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go for it, which, which translates to with screens. So it's the KV-1 with screens. Uh, these were 20 millimeters of soft steel plated on with bolts and it added well it added some armor it'll probably just give you a bit more of a uh, a bit more confidence in your tank I mean it was still a tank that could stop quite a lot of bloody uh, stuff being thrown at it um, it was also they they did add some of the armor thick armor uh, along the front uh, with around so the total armor thickness along the front ended up being around 110, 120 mil. So about the same as a Tiger, Tiger 1. So, And you'll notice I actually quite like the, the look of the the uh, KV-1E, just having the, the armor on the sides with the big bolts. I think it looks really cool. Definitely a lot, lot more of an aesthetic. Yep. If we go down to the bottom left, we have the KV-1B. Uh, the KV-1B was just a KV-1A upgraded with more armor along the front and sides. And most of the turret, most of the turret was now cast as opposed to welded, as we see on the front one. So it's more, so it's got more rounded along the back. There's still a little bit of welding on the front, so it's got uh, flat sides on the front, but it's got more of a round, uh, rounded cast turret, uh, more armor on the front. The one I'm showing here, painted in white, is the one in Bovington, which I've seen up close. Uh, this one, just like the uh, Type 95, where they can't, they have it closed up for the asbestos, they have this one closed up because of radiation. Oh, oh nice. Very nice. Very nice. It was, it was found in, I think, was, I think it was found around Chernobyl or somewhere high in radiation, and I think it's still inside it. So that one, yeah, they can't go inside it. Fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, your skin so might fall where, off. Where on that tank do you stand? Like, where do your shoulders come to? For you, uh, you're a taller guy. So that one, I think my shoulders come up to maybe the bottom of the mantlet. It's, it's pretty high. It's, it's fairly, it's a large tank. Um, yeah. Uh, question for you, Tom. Since you've seen that one up close, how good was the casting on it? Was it very you know smooth casting, or was it? Nah. Uh, it's pretty rough. 
about yeah. to say, bro, this go- is Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rough casting. Um, so from the KV-1B, we go to the KV-1C, which is top top right. That's got a... So that's got the original turret design, but it's fully cast, so it's all rounded. Nice and got those uh, those nice curves to it. It's a very curvy tank now. <laughs> so again, this was also up-armored a little bit more. Um, basically, every, every variant you go up, they just add a little bit more armor, a little bit more armor. However, this one was now weighing in at 48 tons as opposed to 40. Or is it 40 or 45, did I say? It was a lot. Let's put it that way. 45 tons, they've added on another 3 ton. Now, to combat this, um, one of the main criticisms was it was was getting very heavy, but the armor wasn't doing enough. So basically, you're chucking on armor that wasn't doing anything, and the tank was getting too heavy. This led on to the KV-1S which is known as the fast one. So bottom bottom right. This has got a completely different cast uh, turret. It's got a very different design. As you can see, the mantlet is a bit more closed in. It's, it's, it's a different design. So the KV-1S, they redesigned the entire turret and it ended up having less. It had less armor all around, but it was a faster tank. How much faster are we talking here? Like a considerable difference or, you know, just a couple kilometers an hour? Uh, one moment. I've got it in my notes somewhere. Do an S and it is. It, it allowed a top speed of 43.3 kilometers an hour. Well, that's not bad for such a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was made lighter to how many ton? How many times? And I cannot find it in my notes. That's annoying. Why didn't I write it down? That was silly. Google. <laughs> yeah. But basically, the KV-1S was lightening the load, making it faster. It was still more expensive than a T-3476 at this point for basically the same performance. It performed the same as a T-34 at this point, but it was more expensive to to uh, make as opposed to a T3476, which was uh, cheaper, had the same firepower, same armor, same speed. Um, yeah, it was kind of the down. Uh, that was a downfall. Yeah, and the Soviets weren't really in the habit of, say, spending more money or more time to make something that, you know, has... A life expectancy of a budget. day. <laughs> yeah. Ah, here it is. Uh, total weight of the KV-1S, uh, 42 tons. So from the KV-1C to the S, they've, they've managed to re- remove 5 tons from it, which is pretty good. I mean, you can see the casting gets more advanced there. Yeah. Um, the armor did go down from around 110, 120 to around 75 millimeters. But... At that point, if once the now the Germans are bringing in guns that can penetrate 120, it doesn't really matter if you've got 120 or 70, 75 millimeters. It's still going to go through. So you might as well cut on the uh, armor and um, save it for speed. You know? The KV-1 Super Lagara. <laughs> okay. So you've got those. So those are the KV-1s. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. Now we've got the big boy. The absolute monster. The, the behemoth. The KV2. Now, a lot of people don't know this. There were two types of KV2s. What? Yes, you had the standard KV2 with the 152mm howitzer. <clears throat> the one that everyone knows and loves so dearly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you had the KV2 ZIS 6. This was a prototype tank. Um, for a, It was a prototype for a super heavy tank. And it had a 107mm cannon. And as you can see on the bottom right, I've managed to find a photo of that thing firing. It looks awesome. Wow. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So why why did they go with the the 152 or the 107, do you know? Um, the 107 was only ever a prototype. Um, the 152, the, the idea of the KV-2 was not for tank on tank. Um, the KV-2 was brought along by the winter, the winter War in Finland, or the continuation, depends on which side you're on. Um, specifically on the Mannerheim line, they needed, they needed heavy howitzers to get through a lot of the concrete structures, bunkers, stuff like that. Now, instead of, and this was, a, this was also to support KV-1s that were uh, um, assaulting these positions. Now, instead of using a traditional um, SPG, um, like an SU-122 or something like that, they decided to stick a 152mm howitzer on a KV-1 with a massive turret. Mm. Now, whilst the, the howitzer could do a lot of damage, the KV-2 wasn't that good. Uh, one of the main things was the if it was not on even ground, like if it was on a slope, you could not turn the turret at all. Uh, you could not rotate it. You, could not, you couldn't use it, which is one of the downfalls. That's one of the main problems was uh, it was too top heavy um, had, and it had any later, no lateral stability whilst crossing slope terrain. Yeah, it's just, it's impractical. It looks awesome, but it's impractical. Maybe for like paved roads for like a town assault, that'd be great. But yeah, not for fucking Especially when ground. you consider how many actual paved roads there were in the uh, Soviet Union. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like we got Moscow, Stalingrad a little bit, like boom. Yeah. So basically, the KV the KV two was designed as a heavy assault, uh, but it basically, uh, I mean, they still built a lot. They actually like all these tanks. They did build a lot of them. So, like, how many are we talking about here? Uh, let's see. Let's look at the numbers. Now, the KV-1 in all total, KV-1 in total, except for the KV-1S. So, we've got the KV-1A, B, E, C. A grand total of 3,193. The KV-2, they... Good. Yep, the KV-2, they made 210. The KV-1S... They made 1,085. So, respectable numbers. Now, 
later getting on in the war around 1942-43 it was being found that the 76.2 millimeter cannon as good as it was just wasn't doing enough it wasn't you had now you're coming up against tiger ones panthers stuff like that so there was an idea to upgrade the kv1 with an 85 uh is it a dt10 uh the dt10 to 100 i think it's, yeah uh, D, uh what's the d, 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 dt5 uh d5t sorry d5t so Basically, they wanted to put an 85 into the KV-1. So they redid the entire turret in order to fit. So it's a cast turret. It's big, rounded. You'll notice it looks very similar to another tank, but we'll talk about that in a sec. <laughs> uh, I want to <laughs> say the name, Callum. Let me say the name. <laughs> but the amount of this, it also got a significant armor upgrade with up to 160 millimeters of armor. Uh, it's not clear whether That's it's on the front thick. or on the mantlet, but that is still an impressive number. Now, there weren't many KV-85s made, only about uh, 148. Now, the reason for this is it was a stopgap. Um, the Soviets were, to, were looking for tanks that could take out uh, German heavy tanks, but had better reliability, better design and all that. And the KV-1... The design was getting a little bit old at this time. So they moved on to what we all know as the IS or JS, depending on your pronunciation, the, the IS series of tanks. However, if we go to the next slide, you'll notice one thing. Hmm. You've got a KV-85 oh. and an IS-1. You see just how similar it is. An IS-1 in the entire IS series, IS-1, IS-2, and IS-3 are basically KV tanks. The only thing I see here that's dramatically different is the suspension layout. That's it. Even then, that's it's incredibly it's similar. Pretty similar, though. A, a little bit in the front hole there, but yeah, that's yeah. Like there's some minor minor flaws, like minor changes. I'll uh, just go to my IS one notes. Where are they? So w when did you say this bad boy came around the IS one? Forty three. Forty three. Okay. Yeah, man. I, I but basically the interiors of an IS IS one, two, and three are KV. The transmissions are the same, engines the same, gearbox is the same. A lot of things inside it are. It is basically KV with slight variances on the outside to make it look IS one and IS IS one, IS two, IS three. Because you have the KV eighty five and the IS one. Both have the 85 D5T cannon. The IS-2 has the 122. Originally, it was designed for to fit the 122 cannon onto a KV-85, KV making it a KV-122. However, because of the, uh, the reasons before, they changed it to the IS series, and KVs uh, were relegated to more um, reserve forces and Stuff like that. I mean, they're still used quite late into the war. They're still fairly effective. Just there were some kicking around in the forty-five, actually. Oh yeah. I was about to say, didn't they use them during the assault on Berlin? I think I was in a yep. picture. Of there one. was a couple. Yeah. I mean, if you've got them, of, use them. There were a couple to say, of yeah. A model KV ones that still survived. Only you know, like a handful, but there were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, KVs are still being used. It's just now, there is another variant of the KV. 
we go to the next one. Everyone knows the ISU-152, the giant assault uh, assault tank, whatever you want to call it. Well, there was also the SU-152, and basically I've named it as the KV getting its 152mm back in a more appropriate manner. Um, yeah. Is, isn't this the one that they just recently pulled out of retirement in Ukraine? Like two days ago? I would not be surprised. It, they literally ran it for the first time since fucking, I think it was 46, they said. Probably be more effective than what the uh, Russians are using right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> and Actually, I think it's Ukrainians using it. Yeah. Well, no, it's perfect. It's a super weapon then. You imagine that 152 <laughs> hitting like a T90s dead on? Oh my God. I'd love to watch well that. T90. Yeah. So basically, SU-152 turned a KV-1 into a proper assault tank. Uh, you remove the top, you remove the turret and modify the hull into uh, what's the style of tank called? It's got a pro, it's got a name for uh, it. Um, Casemate SPG. That's the one. Casemate. You basically Rush dog. Yeah. Don't summon him. us. <laughs> 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 But yeah, you basically turn a KV-1 into a casemate with a 152 sticking out the front that can demolish anything from tanks to concrete to entire buildings. As as the role of an assault tank is. Love the muscle break on that. Look at that. Oh yeah, the, I love the muscle break. They look awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this this could shoot high velocity, right? Or it was high velocity? Um, not sure. That is a good question. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if it was only like you know, low velocity type shit. But yeah. like, imagine a one fifty two high velocity gun in fucking World War Two. Like, that's that's heavier than what we use now. And of course, I know this is not a, you know a combat uh, tank on tank vehicle, but you know, hey, if it does the job, then what more can you ask for? Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, if it can do it, then it can fucking do it. But I bet that thing was fun to turn to. Oh, can you imagine? I'd rather not. The thing is, ugh. At least the center of gravity would be lower. You know, that's one thing it's got going for it. That's true. And it's got some pretty wide tracks, so. Well, that was one of the things I noticed about the KV-1s is that even from the very start, they had nice wide tracks, which was ahead of their time. Yes, yes, yes. Callum, you alive? Yep, yep, sorry. I was letting you guys talk, you know. Oh. Aww. <laughs> oh, Callum. <laughs> Where are those? Oh, I, was just reviewing. I was just reviewing my notes while letting you talk. Oh, here it is. Um, so not only... So these things didn't just have high explosive rounds, believe it or not. They also had the BR-541 solid core armor piercing yes. round. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. Now, it was a low velocity gun, not a high velocity. Ugh. Eh, it's alright, don't worry about it. Hey, it's got fucking AP. Yeah. I mean, the, the these solid cores, I think, were better for um, concrete yeah, that than high explosives. Yeah, yeah they're known as anti concrete rounds. I mean, just looking at that thing, I feel like. I feel like they could add some plates to the side to go horizontal, and so infantry could hide behind it, and just fucking shoot at bunkers and shit. Yeah. 
Now, the SU-152 uh, was remain, remained in service in, until 1958, until now. <clears throat> and they actually used, they used these as part of the cleanup and demolition operations for the Chernobyl disaster. Probably because it's got so, so much... heavily shielded. Yeah, <laughs> it's got enough of steel between you and radiation. You should be all right. Uh, and if we go to the next slide... The oh, Germans no, summoned him. The Germans used the KV-1. Oh, God. Of course so they did. This is known as the Panzerkampfwagen KV-1B-756R. Now, this is, this is a bit of a mystery. Uh, there's a bit of a debate over, over why the Germans did this. Usually, all, the, all you do if you captured a vehicle was you spray-painted it your own colors, you put your own insignias on so your own, so your own uh, army didn't shoot at it. The Germans would then give it a name, and they have an interesting way of naming naming their uh, Butte Panzers, as they're called. You see, you see on this one, KV-1B-756R. Russian. Yep. They had this. You'll notice for all captured tanks, they have a letter at the end denoting which country they've come from. So E comes from England. Um, Oh, but actually, what could of what could the Germans have stole from the English? Uh, they usually stole sh uh, Churchills. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dunkirk. the reason this is a mystery, why they did this. Usually, when you do capture a tank and you repaint it your own colors, that's as far as you go with modification. However, what they did with this one was they removed the seventy-six point two millimeter F thirty-two cannon. And they had to, yeah, they put in the pack, is it pack 40, uh, 70 millimeter, that 75 millimeter? Pack 40, yeah. Yep. So they put in a pack 40, 75 millimeter cannon. But what this does is they had to modify the mantlet so it could accept the gun. And they also put a new uh, commander's cupola on top of the turret. So you've made essentially a discount panther. Yes. Honestly, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what it is. It's probably better than the original Panthers anyways. Probably, to be uh, honest. At least the transmission doesn't break every 100 kilometers. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a 10-year-old transmission, remember? But it's a 20-year-old Soviet transmission, which means that it's probably still <laughs> functional today. I mean, as long as you've got a sledgehammer so you can uh, shift gears, yeah. Exactly. But... This is, and this is, uh, the photo on the left is the only known photo of this KV-1B. Wow. Um, and the reason is, no one's sure why the Germans did it. It's to redesign the mantlet, to accept the new gun, put it, it's a lot of work when you've already got a lot of work for your own tanks to do out in the field. So there's, there's big speculation on why they did it. Uh, no one's really sure. It's a lot of, it's a lot of time, effort, and resources to modify someone else's tank for your own means. Hence well, why it wasn't it done a lot. Yeah. So hence why it wasn't it wasn't well known because uh, they only ever did it once. Because yeah, you, that's you just, why to me it hasn't made one. It hasn't that's, made uh, one yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, one thing I do remember is I remember reading about how the uh, German High Command was so enthralled, you know, enthralled with the T thirty four that that's one of the things that led to the Panther getting developed. I wonder if the idea with this was almost to see if they could. You know, kind of get with field trials an idea of just how the Russian armor performed, so that they could then develop their own counter to it more effectively. 
Um, Maybe. I will. I will say this: uh, Panther was not designed because of the T thirty four. Well, don't I sound stupid then? So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. It's a misconception, misconception that the Panther was already in design before the T-34s were known about. Uh, the T-34, the T-34s basically sped up the production of Panthers, hence why they weren't that good at the start. I'm about to drop the W word on you, Cal. What? They're, they're wearable. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know this? Uh, Chieftain. Oh, fair enough. No, you're, you're, you're chill then. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll link you a video he did a very good um he, do, he does these videos top top five uh five facts that you don't know about certain tanks and one of them was the panther and i'll watch that then oh you should they are uh, they're actually really good seriously they're they're a good they're a good series they've, they've got because he's also done uh churchill uh m18 yeah there's some good ones shout out oh. to uh chieftain Yep. If you're the, listening uh, to this, come join our podcast. One day we'll get him on. The, uh, while we're on the subject of Daddy Moran, I just want to point out that his latest video actually does feature a KV-1 uh, when he went to the Finnish Armor Museum. I think that was the one that... I, you know that KV-1E? Yeah, I think that. I see That's problem, the one. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the Finnish um, captured a lot of KV-1s as well to use. So, you know, might as well. You got him. The Finns did a lot that the Russians don't like to admit. Yeah. And if we go to the uh, next slide. Yes. Because we've just uh, heard all about the KV-1 uh, and 2 and 85. They're beautiful. You probably want to build them. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Now, the two main companies. Pardon? I'm looking at those 48th scale models because lately I've been getting into that. Those look nice. Yeah. Apparently, the KV-1s at 48 are good. So... Tamiya do a whole bunch of KV-1s. They do a KV-1, the standard KV-1 model 1941. So that is a KV-1B. Uh, that is a prop. Um, no, we'll see. No, it's not a C because it's cast. But they do KV-1, KV-1 type C, as you can see with the uh, cast turret. This KV-1B, I have this kit. It's a very good kit. However, I think they've they've done it wrong. KV-1B did not... Impossible. <laughs> no. Well, you look at be. it, that is the oblique armor of a KV-1E. No, no, this can't be right. I'm Googling KV-1Bs right now. No, this can't be right. <laughs> this is going to be good. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, on this me, podcast, yeah. you are now hearing Dennis have a meltdown. I did warn him beforehand, no, but... I'm looking on War Thunder right now. And the KV-1B does have applique armor. Well, that's War Thunder, so... Yeah, well, I'm Thunder. also looking here at... Let me see if I can find another one. You're like the Russians scrambling for facts that aren't there. <laughs> I've gone full <laughs> copium. Okay, well, all I can find to support my my theory here is a War Thunder model. But I will say, I will contest this. War Thunder, the Russians are saying... No, they're Hungarian. The Hungarians are saying that their, their Tamiya is right. Callum is saying they're wrong. Uh, yeah, so I, know, begins, I know which way you're going to go with. And so begins the great proxy war between Hungary and uh, New Zealand. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the KV-1B did have applique armor, but not that. It didn't look like that because I'm looking. I'm looking at um, pictures now. They did. Ha- they have. They do have bolts on them, but it, that is KV-1E applique armor. 
Well, we shall we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see when someone comes on the comments and abuses me and calls me names I probably have heard multiple times. That person is me, Callum. <laughs> I'm, about to say, I'm about to make a new fucking YouTube account and just do that. Yeah. And, of course, they also have their KV2 kit, which has just been released. Is that this year or last uh, year? I think it was early this year. Yeah. I know that was the buzz for a while. Yeah. Well, it's got, you know what the thing with that one was? Uh, the barrel. It's got rifling on the inside, and it's one piece. And it plastic or metal? Plastic. Ooh. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. You're you me. One me piece with it. rifling. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. It's slide molding, obviously, but that's, to me, it's getting better. They're catching on. You're telling me that Tamiya did that KV2 this year, or a year ago. I think it was early this year. I swear I've seen that box art for the past, like, almost two years. I'm just wondering if that's... Has that got rubber band tracks? No. no um, so both the new KV-1 model 1941, that is actually a kit which the KV-2 is built off of. It's got the same hull. Yeah. Um, they are Lincoln-length tracks, and they capture the sag beautifully. Thank Christ. Like, it is fantastic. And the tracks take about five minutes per side to build. That's not I want to get that KV-1. I will say I've built it. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. I'll have to snag it. One piece barrel on that too. Ooh, nice. And good casting it... textures. Like you don't even really need to add anything. Hmm. Look at you go, Tamiya. Going off. <laughs> uh, if we go to the next slide. Ugh. Trumpeter do a whole bunch. <laughs> and when I say a whole bunch, they have two slides. Because they also show a lot of prototypes of different KV-1s, uh, KVs. Now, uh, just like seeing bottom right, you have the KV-8S, which is basically a KV-1 with the, oh, what do they call it? The OTS, um, oh, where is it? Where is it? Ah, the OTO-41 flamethrower in the turret. Because the KV-1 isn't badass enough. That would be pretty cool to make that with going over like a German trench and looking over to the left or right and throwing flames in as if you cross on the opposite side. Yep. And as you see on the bottom left, they have the KV-220, which was to turn the KV-1 into a super heavy using, uh, I think that's the 107. Okay. And if we go to the next slide, there's even more. The 107 oh. was a prototype for the KV-2, right? Yeah. Uh, there's this, look, this six. Look at that KV seven. That looks so funny. Oh, uh, the uh, the object two 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 seven. So oh. I found interesting notes on that. <laughs> so it was also known as the U thirteen. It was an experimental self-propelled gun with a hundred mil of frontal armor. And depending on the uh, if it was an early or late one, had uh, three cannons, two forty fives, and a seventy six. And there was uh, there was one unit produced and tested in 1941 of that. So, <laughs> yeah, the KV-7 is a bit of a it's a weird design, but it looks cool. Um, Trumpeter also have the KV-122, which is uh, basically an IS-2. As you do. I've got the SU-152, uh, early and late. I've actually got the top, the top right one is the one that I've got that I'm going to build. That one's going to be cool. Uh, they have, just for Ezra... They have the captured KV-1B with the Pack 40 in it. Oh, of course. Just for him. Uh, they made now, one kit of that. 
Yeah. Now, you're, there was also plans to turn the KV into super heavies, hence the KV-5 on the left there. Uh, that's got a uh, machine gun turret in the front, a bit like the Ram and the 107. They're devolving back to the T-35. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone too far forward, now we're going back. And... Oh, and also you have the KV-3 there, which was another super heavy prototype. But that is the KV series. Amazing, Gallum. Very so nice. Much. Yeah, good to talk, man. Good yeah. stuff. So the KV was uh, my original favorite tank, and it kind of still is. So We're just going to have a very short intermission. It's a Afterwards, tank. we'll be going through this week's it's, hobby it's, news. It's got a classic After that, tank our look usual to works in progress. Yeah, and and to cap off this episode, Greg is going to go through uh, his top we'll five models in great now, detail. Voices so, I quick. hope you stick around and enjoy the rest of the episode. time to do the hobby news <laughs> you know Breaking one thing i will respectful s- son of a bitch oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> i'm sorry i can't help myself <laughs> Callum, i want to schwack this guy so hard right now oh same here <laughs> same here you know one thing i do like about our, our hobby the fact that i get a lot of people asking is our hobby actually you know big is there a lot of people to do it is it like popular and i tell them every week we can do we can record an episode and there's new releases it kind of tells you something isn't it we're kind of in the golden age of hobby modeling because you think about yeah maybe you know i don't know people say it's smaller than it used to be i don't think so but like we get new kits and they're good ones every basically day yeah there's new new releases new announcements new companies starting like since we since we we all started modeling what two three years ago yeah about that. on average yeah how many new companies have come out during that time I mean you think even like when I started border wasn't a thing and now look yeah border Ryfield, copper state um dust even tacom wasn't as big as it is now yeah tacom was still pretty small dustwerk wasn't round I think. Mini art actually, they have like they've only gotten big a couple of years before we got into this. Yeah, it's impressive. Well, and people on that note, oh, yeah. speaking of impressive, we've got Ooh. the first uh, press build photos of the comet. Yes, that looks so good. I cannot wait to be one of the millions to buy this thing. I remember on the uh, Discord how people were saying like this had two part barrel. And how incensed I was getting because I was like, "You, it's clearly not a two-part barrel. It's got a one, a two-part muzzle brake." <laughs> I had to I'm die. I'm sorry. On, I, I had to die on my sword to defend Mister Tamiya's honor. Well, that a muzzle brake is fine. You can do something about that barrel. Yeah, I mean, I've I know I've sanded at least one barrel to the point where it's got a flat edge on it. Yeah, it must be Horizon Islands Defense Forces. 
I love how that's become like just a big part of the server now. Yeah. Well, and if you aren't already aware, a new rule is if you've got a kit that is so bad you don't want to build it, you are required by law to build it as an HIDF vehicle. You, you can't get out of it. There's no way. You must. And uh, for anyone who's listening, if you want to join in, join the, uh, it's not a group builder, such. it's more of a, uh, it's a law. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a law. <laughs> if you want to add to the world that is Horizon Islands, um, reach out to us with your submissions on it, uh, or even just tag join us in a post. Join, yeah. the, join the Discord or tag us in the post on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. Anything goes. Yep. Yeah, literally, it can be anything. So don't let some gatekeeping cunt tell you otherwise. <laughs> IPMS. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> I like how we say that, and yet yeah, on Twitter, we actually follow IPMS USA. <laughs> <laughs> And that's after we have that post saying our thoughts on IPMS and then just cunts. <laughs> that is the official position. <laughs> well, speaking of cunts, uh, 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 we've got a new Porsche carrying 251 from Dragon. I know it's his DOS work on the box, but it's a Dragon kit. Ugh. You can't convince me otherwise. Okay, so what was the, what is that, the bridge thing they're talking about? Like, what, what What's going on? It's a pioneer bridge, so basically the idea of it is if you had to cross a small creek or a you know, very small river, you could put those on and you could just drive anything over it. It's you know, you can, The bridge is the width of the tracks on the 251, so any 251 could drive over it. 251, no like water? Exactly. <laughs> Damn crowds. <laughs> what I are do- you afraid of a little H2O? I do like the uh, those sharpened stakes and the uh, foliage on the on the front there. I wonder if that would wonder if that comes with the kit, or you'd have to do that yourself. I've looked at the uh, CAD data. I don't believe it does. What? Oddly. Oh, if they supplied that, that would just do so well. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Except for the engine, it won't be cool because you know you're covering the radiator. Ah, uh, don't worry about that, Calvin. Ah, who needs that? Speaking of radiators, uh, MiniArt has been undeterred by the uh, the Vatniks. Um, they're coming out with a new kit, and this one is for civilian drivers and 35th scale from the 1930s and 40s. I want it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you, you could put it with one of your tractor models, and it'd look quite nice, I think. Dude, that chick on the bottom left. So you, you've seen those uh, pictures of, like, British soldiers on, like, street corners with, like, a Bryn gun or something, and there's some French lady behind him pouring him tea? I can I see make, it. Yeah. I want to make that scene. Get some, like, 3D-printed uh, teacups or something. Yeah. Or you could um, you could probably paint them up as an MTC um, as well. You've lost uh, this, bud. MTC. That MTC is what um, Queen Elizabeth II was in during the Second World War. I'd rest her soul. Yeah. Well, she she was in the uh, MTC. Best ambulance driver ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought this might be of interest to you guys. Um, so remember how we talked about the TACOM VT12 in an earlier episode? Yeah. Well, now yes. we actually have a photo of one in the flesh. This wow. is one of the early production kits that's being built up. I want that thing so much. I like the Bundeswehr fucking cross. It looks so good. It's a very nice looking tank. 
Nah, if I got it, I wouldn't do the Bundesliga. I'll do it as a Canadian what if. Well, they, I think I told you guys this yeah. was seriously considered to be going to Afghanistan. That's why. That's why I want to do it. Canadian what if? What Bro, if they had the, the VT? Fuck looked at that. Who looked at that and was like, "Yeah, let's send Don't that to fucking Afghanistan." About, Don't worry about <laughs> it. We'll be fine. <laughs> fucking idiots, dude! Oh my god. I no, that's the thing. You. That's the thing. The enemy will see it and spend the whole time going, "What the fuck is that?" They're, just, they're pulling up like their identification books, trying to figure out what they're dealing with. <laughs> it's like, bring up Google on the phone. Come on, where is it? <laughs> Google on the IED phone. They've only got Yahoo, and they can't find it. <laughs> uh, Border Model is releasing some figures for their 35th scale U-boat. There's both ones with the uh, 88 millimeter and loading a torpedo. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, their figures are pretty nice too, apparently. They look it. I do like this uh, this new thing of getting uh, sections and making them a 35. So, you know, a 35th scale U-boat would be massive. I'd love to have one, but, you know. But just making sections and... Uh, bringing them up to a bigger scale for more detail is actually a really cool thing. If they, you know, they've been doing that with like the turrets of um, battleships and you know making them larger size. I, I do like this new this new way of modeling. I think it looks really cool. It's Come very uh, diorama focused, which I like. Yeah, and yet all the boomers are like, oh, the, the modeling dying off. Ugh. Yeah, but guys, um, haven't you heard? It'll be gone by 2010 <laughs> <laughs> see you know what i'd really like to have as something something like this you know the eight barrel 40 mil pom-pom anti-aircraft yes. cannons one of those yes. in 35th scale would be so cool Ooh, yeah uh we also got the yes for the m48 from tacom Ooh, i want that guess the what vietnam right? version fun fact like tracks <laughs> Oof. Ah, tech yeah. on ones aren't that bad. Wait, wait, you said they're what tracks? Indie Link. Uh, <laughs> they're not no. that bad. Although they did release a set of rules when building this M48A3 in the Vietnam. You must have Paint It Black or Fortunate Sun playing in the background whilst doing it. It's, it's a requirement. Wait, hold on. No, do don't play it. it. I see. Don't, whatever you do, don't play it. Otherwise, I have to block it because we'll get copyright. What are you saying, Dennis? Horizon Islands. This is the yes! only Horizon Islands thing I've ever seen. Dude, it, instead of putting the tracks on it, I'm going to have all the wheels off of it. Have, like, some kind of, like, makeshift portable fucking bottom. As if, like, a fucking forklift came over and picked it up. It's a boat. I'm going to turn mine into a boat. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, Bro, it's got the rounded, rounded hull. Well, you guys know those uh, Shermans that they... Div- you know the uh, Japanese uh, amphibious tanks where they had, like, the... Uh, big pontoon like front and rear hull that they could just discard once they got on land and yep. it literally turned them into a boat yep yeah that's what i'm doing here you better believe it's happening coastal defense that's exactly what i'm thinking dude i keep getting all these ideas for that fucking uh horizon lifestyle. island infantry build it's the lifestyle <laughs> uh ibj in 1 to 72 scale has released a centaur dozer tank and I also want that for my Horizon Island infantry defense build. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just turning into sort of a, a state of mind almost. <laughs> it, honestly, like think it's about a way it. Of like life. That, <laughs> that could be digging out a 
an, a, a, deck, a dugout to put my M48 that has no wheels. Exactly. Like, it's, it's fucking perfect. It'll just look weird because we we at different scales. Don't worry about it. It's <laughs> oh, wait, that is 172. It's Fuck, never mind. Oh, I can make it like a miniature fucking one. I can open up the top, put in some fucking printed seats or whatever. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And that was the uh, hobby news. And now it's time to talk Very about good. our works in progress. My favorite part <sighs> of the segment. <laughs> All right, so these are mine. Uh, the first one here is about my T62. I've been pretty busy the past two or three weeks, so I haven't done too much uh, modeling, but I have started adding water for this diorama. Uh, I was really insecure about adding that or that uh, masking tape. I, f I thought it would leak a lot, but it only leaked in like two spots very slowly, and it was a pretty easy fix. Uh, got about three maybe four more layers of water and i'll be done with the water i made some or i made a mini art roadblock and i put in some native language from the i think it's new georgian it says uh, halt flooding ahead and then the emergency contact number for the area because uh, it's the beginning of a of swamp and uh yeah that's kind of where it's at right now really happy with the progress and it's been a blast working on it so it's looking uh, good right, man. thank you that is the t55 is gonna have to go on to a similar base that just looks so good thanks i remember whenever you first showed off your t55 and you were talking about the type of base you wanted to put it in with like next to a river and shit i i couldn't help myself i had to still the idea it's it just looks good, and you can also hide because like the tracks on that kit, I guess, weren't the best. Who cares? Because now you won't even see half of them. Yeah, after working with the tracks a little bit, like I was able, especially with the Challenger Two armor, it it works pretty good. They, oh, it they does. aren't too bad. 100%. But like, I got to go back in, and where you can see it from the top there on the right hand side, where all that corrosion is above the tracks, I need to go in and make them super shiny and make them look like they just went through water. That's going to be amazing, man. Thanks. All right. Next is what I'm actually working on right now. Um, my commission build for the Normandy uh, D-Day diorama. So this is a commission build for a history professor out in Louisiana. And basically it's going to be uh, somewhere probably around St. Mary Glees or some shit. And it's going to be a little road, hedgerows on each side, major tree in the center. Uh, next to some cornrows with a dead paratrooper. Uh, took night shift's idea for the uh, stone walls since they're so small. Do some experimenting. I uh, really like how those came out. And then I started painting the German figures. I got, uh, if you look at the top left, I'll go from left to right. It's a uh, Italian camo that the SS took. Uh, first guy has a regular stall helm. Second guy has a P-Dot helmet cover. Uh, third guy has a P-Dot blouse and helmet cover. And then the fourth guy just has a uh, oak leaf A pattern uh, tunic. That looks amazing, man. I love those helmet covers. Thanks. Those were really fun. It really helps, too, whenever they, they mold in the actual helmet cover. It makes it more believable. Yeah. How the hell do you actually manage to get paint camo that small? Uh... <laughs> patience uh <laughs> honestly like it, it's 
I know looking at it, it looks really intimidating because it took me like a week to actually do it. Because I don't know if y'all seen my very first ever attempt at PDOT, but it was fucking awful. Um, that was when I first got into the hobby, and I just rushed it, and it was horrible. So after watching some videos, looking at reference photos on Arma 3, <laughs> uh, looking at you know people building it and shit, I went ahead and tried it myself. And honest to God, it did not take that long. Like the coat, minus the drying time, maybe 30 minutes. Oh yeah, it's not bad. Nah. Especially only having four Germans, like, and then, like, I would go from, the I started with the PDOT uniform and did the base coat, went to the oak leaf, did the base coat, and then went to the other two and did those base coats, and by the time I did that, the, the PDOT was ready for the next color. So, it's just a cycle like that, and you can get it done, you know, two, two and a half hours. Uh, this is going to be what I've been up to. Um <laughs> Sadly, uh, what uh, is this? Uh, university <laughs> has begun, which means uh, model machine broke. <laughs> no model. Oh no! Um, no, nah, instead we're working on code, which is fun, but uh, yeah. so it's, it's not modeling. <laughs> However, um, because the tank museum they they built a new bike path that goes through the airport. Um, so now I can get to the tank museum in between classes and I got to go and peep out their newest cop. Um, they got some sick new wheels. Uh, it's the T72 from uh, CFB Valcarcier. It's very nice. Imagine that you went one from Ukraine. Dude, yeah, they, they just the Ontario regiment's just buying up uh, T72s and T90s from the farmers. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, honestly. Like, I, give it I, like I a year or two. That. Yeah, they're gonna be getting some German fucking armor that got sent over there to be used, and it's gonna be in the fucking tank museum as a Ukrainian piece. It's gonna be awesome. I will say one thing that struck me immediately: this thing is so short. Yeah, like, I come up to about maybe here. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Pretty small tanks. Well, because that was um, Soviet doctrine at the time. I guarantee. At the time, it still is. <laughs> I would. I would rather be in this any day over this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't have the turret fucking fly off in the Sherman versus a T seventy-two. That's the thing, you know. This thing has what storage. This thing does not. Honestly, like, where are you going to put the storage? <laughs> My brother, you are the storage. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so this is what I'm working on at the moment. It's my yes, sir. Uh, Tam Tamiya Yag Panther, the very old kit. So I'm just trying to clear a bit of backlog at the moment before I start my uh, group build build. So uh, yeah, but thought I'd get a bit interesting with, with this one, going with the uh, the old Red oxide and dunkel gelb with a bit of stripes and yeah, so um, it's a pretty fun kit at the moment. I'm trying to at the moment I'm just uh, making it all dirty. I've got all the uh, all the parts that I want on it, so now I'm just doing the weathering on it and it'll be all good. Next one is I finally got my submission for the artillery group build in last week. <laughs> I was a little bit late, but you know I had reasons. Yeah, that's all right. So this is the uh, Tamiya um, Type One. SPG the Honey, uh, 
I don't, uh, I've still got the figures to paint. I'm calling it done for now, but I might go back to it. Um, get some bushes on the front to hide that heinous, uh, gap in the armor along the front. But, um, yeah, otherwise. Very nice, dude. Very yeah. Nice. I think, um, I think, was it you, Dennis, I was asking how I did the dusting on it or? Yes, I did. Uh, literally just, uh, I mixed, uh, burnt, was it burnt umber? pigment and Vietnam land uh, pigments together and then with soft brush literally just sort of like dry brushed it over everything yep I've and done it before that looks really good though by Callum Vietnam <laughs> dust is supposed to be not that color <laughs> did I mention I'm a geologist oh, did I tell you I served in Vietnam I take it that's a Facebook argument you once had uh, kit maker too. Oh, go yeah. figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, it. but yeah, so that's my uh, my works in progress for now because uh, I haven't actually been building a lot because my main work in progress has been renovating my bathroom. You'll have to show us pictures of that once it's done. Yeah. Yes, before yeah. and after, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I've got some before photos. Yeah. So we're gonna do something a bit different instead of having a model discussion. Uh, Garrison has decided to show us his top five models. Yes. Uh, looking forward to doing this kind of last moment thing, but as a nice last moment thing, I love talking about my models. So let's get right into it. All right. So this isn't in any particular order, uh, but I will say my Greyhound is one of my top favorites. Uh, the Tamiya MA Greyhound just recently did this for my push on Cherbourg diorama. If you'd like to see the full thing, check out my Instagram or YouTube at Greg's Diorama Scale Models. Uh, but yeah, nice little kit. Went together great. Loved adding all the stowage, all the little details on the inside, making it nice and dirty. It's been a dirty little Greyhound. So, so what So what do you think of the, uh, the kit? Because I know... Um... Don is working on one as well, eh? Yeah, he's doing that Canadian fucking general's personal vehicle from Korea, uh, which Don is doing great, especially all the fucking uh, scratch building he has to do. It's, he's doing awesome. Uh, I really enjoy the kit. Like I said, it went together really well. You could, if you needed to do like a column, like arm, uh, U.S. armored column in like Normandy or some shit, and you wanted to build like three of these. You could definitely do it, no problem whatsoever. It's besides being a little repetitive because it's building the same thing. It's it's easy enough to do that it wouldn't be too taxing, uh, and it fits well. So there's no, you know, it's Tamiya, right? You're not gonna have to sand anything down crazy or fill in gaps or anything like that. Everything fits like fucking perfect. Still love the uh, the foliage you add to that. That looks amazing, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. At first, I didn't know if I was going to add it or not, and then I asked you guys, and y'all were like, definitely. So. <laughs> we'll always say yes. Should I add this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that encouragement. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was kind of ready for it to be done. But, uh, yeah, definitely glad I added that foliage. It just lo looks so much better. All right, next is one of my favorite tanks of all time. It's the Easy 8 uh, This is the Tamiya... Uh, Korean War Rice's Red Devils variant. I did a Operation Ripper diorama, as you can see there. Once again, if you want to see any of my builds, my YouTube and Instagram, 
uh, go check that out. But uh, this was right before I learned about Microsoul and Microset, or how the fuck you say it. And so the decals are pretty shiny, and I didn't tie down the stowage. So I'll probably go back through once I get to Kansas and kind of fix up my old kits, add some tie downs, uh, try and see if I can revive those fucking uh, decals, make them not so shiny. But uh, yeah, like every other Timia kit out there, uh, for the most part, uh, this thing went together easy. Uh, the tracks are rubber, but they were not a problem. They fit perfectly. Um, uh, you know, it came with a pretty decent amount of stowage. Uh, the figures were really fun to work with. Uh, you know, don't see a lot of Korean War stuff, so it was nice to nice to play around. All right, next is uh, another Tamiya kit. <laughs> another, another Sherman. Sherman. <laughs> yeah, another Sherman. Uh, is, there a, is there a bit of a theme here, Greg? Well, I I am American, so you know, it just makes it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just. Especially the Tamiya stuff, like they give you so much to work with, uh, especially in terms of stowage. So uh, this was my Battle of the Bulge diorama Siege of Bastogne I did, and this was the Tamiya M4 Sherman. Uh, really fun. This was done with a spray can, uh, fucking uh, wooden deck stain. You know, some not very good stuff to work with, but. Uh, it was fun. I had a good time doing it. The fit was nice. The stowage was fun to mess with and, you know, try out. And, you know, it's, it's a Sherman. You can do literally just about anything with a Sherman. Super classic tank from World War II. So. Yeah, there's one one good thing about making a, a Sherman is you can just do so much with it. I do like this. What do you use for the uh, snow? Uh, it's that. Fuck. Let's see. I it's the stuff I recently bought that I showed you guys in the chat. It's in the Battle of the Bulge Artillery Group build info. Uh, forgot what it's called, but it's a it's a snow powder and it's actual powder. It's not like fucking the the green the army painter bullshit where it's like beads and bounces everywhere. This stuff you spray like a little bit of Mod Podge down, like one or two little squirts and then you sprinkle this stuff on top of it and then one squirt above that leave it for like 20 minutes it won't move like it just fucking sits there and it's amazing it's in scale for just about anything the only problem is if you're trying to make big mounds of it you need a good amount but for what i did there it was not a problem at all yeah that looks pretty that looks nice i do i do have a bias for uh snow dioramas <laughs> They are fun. I'm looking forward to doing my 251. Oh, this is my favorite. Look at Ooh. that. <laughs> so this is my... This makes me Tamiya. feel bad about my own R35. <laughs> I know, right? You guys are too kind. Uh, oh, you, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this on the podcast. When I first saw this, I got so fucking jealous. I was like, how the fuck did he manage to get the camo like that? I was... Yeah. You know, I was... When I first started building this kit... I stopped halfway because, for one, the diorama, I just didn't know, you know, I, I was too intimidated by the backdrop. I didn't want to deal with it. And then I was really intimidated by the camo because I didn't have a working airbrush at the time and I didn't want to fuck up, you know, with hand painting. Uh, which is funny because most of that is hand painted, uh, with the exception of the green and the, the little uh, tan color. The rest of it was pretty much hand painted, uh, very light coats, and 
uh, you know, the R35 fit together really well. The tracks were, you know, Lincoln Link tracks, awesome stuff. Uh, no, it's, it's Tamiya. Like I said, again, it's just Tamiya. Uh, yeah. Not too much you can do for, like, stowage-wise. So I got some aftermarket. I say aftermarket. I got a chain from Michaels and put on the front. I got a French wannabe Bren gun. I don't know what the fuck it's called. And an ammo box and some French equipment put on the right-hand side. Uh, the only spot, really, that you can put stowage. And, you know, did that and... It's kind of the first time I actually learned how to use Microsoft Microset, so the decals came out really well, and I actually got my first award with this tank. Got third place. So, oh, so yeah, that's how such that's a good. simple kit has made so many people so happy. Yeah, Dude, it's it's fun. Like it's such a sweet little deal, and I mean, you can do. There's multiple French variants of this thing. You can do like the color scheme. Uh, there's the German ones you can do. And then didn't they casemate these after the war? They did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's I want to get some more of these in the Sharby <coughs> one. I want to make a like kinda like a CW modeling like Chalky's doing right now. He's doing that Sharby one dial. I want to do that. Yeah. Because what you could also do is um if you're down to scratch build, you could turn it into the uh, I thirty five which has the Hotchkiss uh thirty seven mil in it. It's got a different mantlet and barrel in it. You know, I'm getting to that point. Or I am at that point in my modeling journey that I am definitely okay with taking my time on models. So scratch building things like that, I think is going to become more common in my future. So I'll definitely have to try that out. And this is also my first time using pigments. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, it looks, again, like I said, first time I saw it, I was just like, it's like, that looks really good, and fuck you, but also, fuck, that looks good. <laughs> well, whenever, whenever I first joined the, the podcast crew, I was, act- I was listening to the episodes bef- right before I joined the Discord. I was listening to the first three episodes while finishing building this tank. And then I saw, you know, you guys sent y'alls in the group chat before I painted mine. And I was like, fuck, I got I to... Gotta- I gotta meet their expectation, because I, I dude, I, I tell you, I put this thing on the backlog for like six months because I was so intimidated by the by the camo scheme. That's the one thing about the French tanks: the camo is always difficult. Oh yeah. Oh, the fucking the I think it was the Sharby one. They did the actual like tree mural on the tank. I want to do that. Oh yeah, uh, the one that um, I did. Uh, yeah, yes. Dennis did that one. Yes, I want to do that so bad. Do it. You'll do a better job than I did. That tr- that tree stuff is hard. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I want to do one where it's like halfway painted and like there's a paint bucket there or a couple of paint buckets and the Frenchmen are like, yeah, they're just like having a smoke break or something. That I get all these fucking ideas and now I have to work, so I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my world. Half my time at work is... modelers. <laughs> Yeah, it's like welcome to my world, Greg. It's I spend most of my week at work dreaming up on things I could make, and then sitting down on a weekend and going, "I don't have the time." <laughs> time or the energy? It's like fuck, bro. Yeah, I always say it's like, "Oh, I'll do this when I get home from work," and then when I finally stumble in at like six thirty-seven and sit down, going, "I can't focus." <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just applied for a a job at a certain company that's a stay-at-home position only and it's like a i think they said they work 10 to 10 to 6 or some shit like that so i want to 
job where I have a schedule like that, so I can fucking schedule my modeling times. You mean working from home as in you'll be answering emails and working on something at the same time? Uh, damn straight. Someone's going to call <laughs> me and be like, I need to get into my account. I'm like, hang on, I'm gluing this last piece of track on. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Hang on, hang it's on, wait for this to dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one second. The CA glue dries really quick. I'll be right with you. <laughs> and then they call you one day and you've like spilled a bottle of extra thin all over your workbench, so you're like super high. It's like, hey, this is Gears Colin. Tell <laughs> me, I do you. <laughs> like, are you are you intoxicated? What? Nah, bro, I'm no, model. Officer, no, officer, it's <laughs> hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, that's my French tank. And uh, here is my Tamiya Ardennes King Tiger. So this was also a very fun build. Uh, this was my first... Uh, airbrush kit that I made for myself uh, so that was really nice um, the first ever airbrush kit I did was an AAV that was a commission for someone and it turned out really good but having a build your for yourself that you do with an airbrush really nice and I did the ambush camo uh, you know Tamiya once again coming in clutch the build was easy um, the only problem I had was that left-hand side, that big old fucking side skirt there. I had problems uh, attaching that on the front end because of how wide the tracks are. They made the tracks a little too wide. Um, and you almost can't fit it. you got to hold the thing there until it, the glue sets or else it's going to pop off. Uh, but besides that, tank went together great, super fun. And in, in the kit, it comes with a really good and in-depth guide on the different King Tigers they reference. So I did 008 because it was abandoned uh, because of mechanical problems. And the Americans, or I think the Americans found it. Uh, and I, I found where it was actually abandoned was at a Y intersection. So that's diorama I made there. Uh, Google Earth coming in clutch as always. But uh, yeah. Really fun kit. The The figures were great. I had a good time trying to figure out exactly how I was going to set up the motorcycle and the crewman. And kind of basically like the box art, but you know. Yeah, it looks good, man. It's really good. Thank you. I wish it... I, not to kiss your ass anymore or anything, but I, I wish I could do dioramas as good as you, but I just... Well, maybe I, Tom doesn't want to kiss your ass, but I do bend over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, this was this was a fun one, man. I'll, I'll be honest. I had a blast working on this because, like I said, I used uh, Google Earth, and I went to the spot. It was because it was found. I think it was five kilometers. It was or some shit like that at a Y intersection outside of a town. And I, I I went to Google Earth and reference photos and maps and shit, and I found the exact spot. And uh, that's how I got the the idea for the big tree on the right and the bushes on the left. Uh, unfortunately, that tree is no longer there. Uh, I had to take it down because my dumbass put too much or opened the hole too much in the base, so it kept falling. Uh, but yeah, super fun. Uh, yeah, adding things like uh, the German flag and the the pictures and the uh, the fucking for the the gunner over there on the right hand side. He's got some pictures right inside of his hatch. And then one on the on the rim, 
and then the German tank commander with the the map, uh, and then that fucking driver. I had a map in his left hand folded up. Uh, no, super fun. Wow. I, I do like it that you've been copying the boxer. Like that just does so much for it. Yeah, I mean, I I really wanted to do something different than the box art when I first got it, but I wanted to also keep it accurate to that specific tank, and this was the only way I could justify using everything. So, and I wanted to use everything because I'm weird like that. Yeah, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Well, but, uh, yeah, that's that. Nice builds, Greg. Thank you. Appreciate it. So. I believe we've got a few announcements uh, just about the group build uh, that we yes. are running. Uh, um, main uh, announcement is we've finally figured out a first prize, haven't we? Yes, we have. We have. The uh, first prize will be a Hobby Boss T26 E2? Uh, e, is it uh, E2 or E4? It's one of the prototype Super Pershings, yeah, by uh, Hobby Boss on the 35 scale. Yeah, so... If you do want to join the group build, just flick us a message on any socials. We'll send you a info sheet showing all the rules and stuff like that. Um, one of the rules we specify is none of us in the podcast can win the prize, which, you guys. which means that um, don't be offended if we ask a lot of questions about, your per- about you personally. It's just there's a high chance Greg might enter something in under a false name. Um <laughs> I want that Persian, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> so we're going to have to be extra scrutinized on that, but don't worry about that. Um, but otherwise, because uh, we've had quite a few people join it. Hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for being so new, it's we've gotten quite a few people that are interested. Yep. Um, I've also contacted uh, Plastic Model, Model Mojo, um, Kentucky Dave. So they've said, they've, Actually, he hasn't got back to me on that, but that's fine. Classic Model Mojo, get back to us. Don't leave yeah. us on red. <laughs> also, uh, if... Uh, sorry, Calum. Oh, no, you, you go. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, if you'd like to see... I'm going to reference my channel again. I made a video over the rules and talking about the sheet and going over it. So if you'd like to see that, it's the... Um, it's what's supposed to be my channel trailer, but it's the the group build rules it's about i think an eight or nine minute video talking about the rules and how things work and all that and one thing i will just let you guys know to anyone who's listening if you go on to our instagram page uh, micro machines podcast we have a link tree which basically has links to all of our socials as well as the submission form for the group build if you want your build to be judged and in the competition and we also have the rules document on there as well otherwise um do we have anything else? Or should this be a short episode? I think that might just be a short episode. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I say short, nice an hour and a half, but... Yeah. <laughs> short compared to what we've been doing. <laughs> we'll put it that way. That's true. That is true. Well, but yeah. If you have been listening up until this point, thank you so much for listening. You have been listening and watching the Micro Machines podcast. We will be back next week with... A very special episode about a very special animal. Alrighty. Wait. Sweet. See you, everyone. See you. See you, everyone.